All right, all right. Welcome right back to the Drop Pass podcast. This is, believe it or not, the 10th episode already. And last week I mentioned that we would be back fairly soon, and here we are. NHL expansion draft is right in front of us, and it will be very interesting to see how the events go this time around since Vegas showed in 2017 how it is possible to become an actual title contender out of the expansion draft and make use of other teams' contract situations. They were able to use leverage against other teams and basically other GMs made them good by giving away assets to not pick their best possible players. And we can expect that to happen once again. This year we have a huge pool of high-level restricted and unrestricted free agents. So the offseason overall will most likely end up being the craziest we've seen in the past couple of years. And the team creation for sure doesn't stop to the expansion draft itself. They will most likely use their available cap space to their advantage, offer sheet at least one restricted free agent, sign few top unrestricted free agents as well as trade for a few players, probably at the draft as well as after it. In the past, the expansion teams have become the bottom feeders out of the drafts, because teams have given up draft picks and prospects in order to not lose their main players, but nowadays the expansion team's GMs have higher asking prices and overall the process has advanced tremendously from the past. Expansion teams are able to work around the worst deal since every team has a limited number of protectable players in addition to multiple clauses in certain contracts, which the expansion teams use to their advantage. We'll check which players the teams have protected and at the end I will present to you my own expansion draft selections without the trades and gentlemen's agreements that occurred during the both drafts. If you want to create your own 30-second team, head on to capfriendly.com hashtag no ads, where you can find both entry draft as well as expansion draft simulators and you can make your own selections to create best possible expansion team on your own. But with that said, I think we can move on to the actual content. So without further ado, let's get going. Seattle Kraken will become the NHL's 32nd team and will be part of the Pacific Division as you would expect, while the Arizona Coyotes move to the Central Division. Seattle's first signing before the expansion draft was 20-year-old Luke Henman, who was drafted in the fourth round in 2018 by the Carolina Hurricanes. He played last season in the QMJHL, recording 43 points in 32 games and adding 12 points in 9 postseason games. Then a few days ago, all NHL teams announced their protection lists, which either included 7 forwards, 3 defensemen and 1 goalie, or 8 players overall plus 1 goalie. There were a few trades before the roster freeze when teams got rid of players who weren't going to be protected, and GMs wanted to get something in return, rather than lose them for nothing. More trades will most certainly happen during the expansion draft and teams might have deals done for the entry draft as well so don't expect my picks at the end to be exact same as the official ones but 
I'll do my best to think like a GM and assemble a team without thinking too much about the possible trades because it would become almost impossible. I've taken into account few rumors about players that are linked to the Seattle roster, but otherwise I wanted to create a team that could be somewhat competitive, but with few signings and trades could become a playoff contender. Next week we can then watch how wrong I was and speculate what the future will hold for the Kraken after the expansion and entry drafts. Okay, let's get things rolling by going through the trades that occurred right before the roster freeze. The trades actually started on July 12th when Nashville got rid of Victor Arvidsson and received 40th pick in this year's draft and 2022 third rounder from the LA Kings. Nashville ended up protecting just three forwards, so this was most likely a start to their rebuild, since later on they sent out even bigger package right before the draft. Next, Chicago sent veteran defenseman Duncan Keith alongside prospect Tim Söderlund to Edmonton Oilers and received defenseman Caleb Jones and 2022 third rounder in return. This was a bit of a surprise to me since Keith is on the end part of his career with two years left on his 5.5 million contract and has been declining in the recent years. He still has the huge locker room presence and three Stanley Cups in his back pocket so he will at least bring his leadership and winning credentials to Alberta. He will serve as a very decent top 4D man now that Oscar Glefbon's future is very uncertain and Arnold Nurse has become their leading defenseman. Caleb Jones, on the other hand, hasn't reached his full potential in Edmonton and has been on their trade block for some time now. He will most likely become a very reliable top 6 defensive defenseman for the Blackhawks with little upside. Then Colorado traded one of their core defensemen, Ryan Graves, to New Jersey for their 61st draft pick this year and bottom 6 forward Mikhail Maltsev. This was a trade where they were most likely going to lose their top 4 defensemen for nothing, so it was a smart decision to move him before he becomes property of the Seattle Kraken. The second round pick, can you get something in value, but Maltsev was just a depth addition, so this was probably best they could get. Next up, Detroit acquired Nick Letty from New York Islanders and shipped Richard Panic to the island was acquired at the trade deadline from Washington and the Oilers received a 52nd pick in this year's draft in addition. Islanders were going to probably lose Scott Mayfield to Seattle so this was a deal which enabled them to protect him but the downside is that they lost one of their top 4 D-men. Letty is still very useful defenseman because of his skating and will most likely be the player to take Moritz Sider under his wing and mold him into an elite NHL defenseman, hopefully. Another W for the Wings. Then few West Coast teams made some trades when Vancouver acquired Jason Dickinson from Dallas for a third rounder, and San Jose acquired their future 1B goaltender Aiden Hill from Arizona for prospect Joseph Coronar and a 2022 second round pick. Both Hale and Dickinson were going to be exposed to Seattle at the draft so both deals were player dumps and both San Jose and Vancouver got good players in return for their draft picks. 
Next up, Toronto acquired Jared McKen from Pittsburgh for a seventh rounder, and they got back their draft pick, Philip Hollander, as well. This was a bit of a head scratcher since Toronto didn't protect him yesterday, so he will be available for Seattle to take. But with deeper analysis, this trade makes more sense since they will most likely lose either Alex Kerfoot or McCann, so McCann will most likely replace him on their roster if Kerfoot leaves Toronto. Either way, if they decide to pick McCann from the Leafs, they still keep Kerfoot, so it was overall quite a smart move from Dubas to create this nothing-to-lose situation for the draft. Right after Rangers were involved in two different trades, first they acquired Barclay Kudrow out of Tampa for a 7th rounder, and after that shipped Brett Howden to Vegas for defenseman Nick DeSimone and a 2022 4th round pick. Both Howden and Goodrow were going to be left unprotected and Howden is now safe from the expansion draft since Vegas isn't part of it and hasn't been able to reach his potential in New York so it was smart move to send him elsewhere. Goodrow on the other hand was a surprising acquisition for the Rangers since he's in UFA this summer but currently the rumor is that he's closing to a 5-6 to six year deal with the Rangers around 3 million per year and would be a good addition to the Rangers roster. The penultimate trade happened between the Islanders and Arizona Coyotes where Andrew Ladd and three conditional picks were shipped off to desert for future consideration. This was a total cap dump since there has been talks about possible buyout for the Islanders. But now that he's off their books, Islanders can focus on resigning their UFAs and RFAs while creating cap space for free agency. The last deal was a huge three-way deal which saw few prospects and one standout defenseman. First, Philadelphia sent defenseman Philip Myers and former second overall pick Nolan Patrick to Nashville in return for solid top four defenseman Ryan Ellis. Philly has been missing the right-handed D-man after Matt Niskanen retired last summer, and now they got very good two-way defensemen to their blue line, who can orchestrate their power play unit. I don't think they paid too much for Ellis since both Myers and Patrick haven't lived up to their expectations, especially Patrick who has suffered from concussions in the recent years. Both guys still have hope left and Myers for example has shown that he will at least be a reliable top 6 D-man if he doesn't reach his potential in the top 4. While the rebuilding Predators acquired two young players they only held on to one of them since they acquired Cody Glass from the Vegas Golden Knights while they sent Nolan Patrick the other way. Glass was the 6th overall pick in 2017 but hasn't developed with the pace the Knights probably were hoping for. They have Peyton Krebs in their pipeline who has a very high ceiling and will probably be their center in the future, which enabled them to send Glass to Nashville. He still has plenty of time to develop into a reliable top 6 center, but the signs of him fulfilling those high expectations are not there, and hopefully he will find his potential in Tennessee. Patrick is the wild card here, since he could become very good two-way center with small offensive upside if he gets over his injury history. I hope that it really does happen, or at least he becomes a complimentary top-nine forward. 
But those were the trades right before the protection lists were published. But expect to see plenty more during the expansion and entry draft since, like I said, there are plethora of RFAs and UFAs who will change scenery before the free agent period. But then we move on to the actual expansion draft which saw a few decent surprises but since there most likely are few backdoor deals looming we won't see the total picture unfortunately. Like I said I didn't consider any trades in my picks and only took into account few strong rumors looming around the Kraken. We will start this walkthrough alphabetically and see what the possibilities are for each team. We will start with the Ducks who protected most of the anticipated players, but the only surprise being Nicolas Delaurier. There were a few actual possibilities here, and among the top options were Adam Henrique, Sonny Milano, Alexander Volkov, Josh Mahura, and Hayden Fleury, while I don't see them taking on Shattenkirk's 3.9 million contract, and thus decided to take Russian Alexander Volkov, who had a very good ending to his season in California last season. Sonny Milano and Hayden Flurry were the other two options I was considering, but since they both haven't lived up to their expectations, I preferred Volkov over the other two. His potential is still relatively untouched and could blossom with added playing time in Seattle. Arizona didn't have any big surprises, but they left Christian Fisher, Michael Bunning, Jordan Osterley, alongside veteran defensemen Alex Kaligoski, Niklas Jalmarsson and Jason Demers unprotected, where some of them might find themselves on the free agent list next week. Osterley could be a very good depth option for Seattle, who has some offensive upside as well, but I think they will choose other defensemen over him in this draft. That leaves me with my selection Tyler Petlick who is quite sound defensively and adds good two-way ability to their bottom six while he's able to play either on the wing or at center. He's effective penalty killer and blocks a lot of shots, which adds value to his presence in the bottom six. They could go either way or even take a chance at Antiranta, but in my mind Osterley or Petlek makes the most sense. Boston had plenty to choose from, but this time I guess they won't reach out to David Krejci who will most likely stay in Boston regardless. Up top, they had Taylor Hall, Andre Kashe, Nick Ritchie, Curtis Lazar and Carson Kuhlman available, while Mike Riley, Connor Clifton, Jeremy Lazan and Jakub Sporil were available on defense. There is a lot to choose from, but I decided to go with right-handed defenseman Connor Clifton, who has showed his good defensive ability and great physical presence on their blue line. He has 1 million contract for the next two seasons, so it also fits very well, even if he becomes their seventh defenseman. My first choice would have been Mike Riley, who had a very solid last season, but I expect that Boston have a deal in place for another player from their roster, and that's why I ended up with Clifton. Most of the players are UFAs, so that also complicates the situation for Seattle and probably Taylor Hall will either re-sign in Boston or seek another paycheck elsewhere. Buffalo secured their top players while there wasn't much to choose from. Originally I had Colin Miller going to Seattle because of his handedness and because of the fact that he already was involved in Vegas expansion. 
But since I'm becoming more and more analytics guy, I decided to tilt towards another defenseman, Jake McCabe, who has been one of their best D-men in recent years. He's very sound in his own zone, while he doesn't provide too much offensively, but in my mind that is enough for a top 6 D-man. He has had some injury concerns over the few years, but overall is extremely solid defensive defenseman who can operate in their top 6 and act as a shutdown guy. Then we head to Calgary, where we saw the first big fish, Mark Giordano. Alongside him, they had few decent options in Oliver Chillington, Dominic Simon and Derek Ryan, who I had at first in my roster, but... After the rumors spread that Seattle was willing to negotiate if the Flames gave up their first and third rounders in order to not pick Gio, I had to choose him to the squad. He will turn 38 this year and only has one year left in his contract at 6.75 million, while still being extremely solid top four defensemen. While his numbers have been declining as of late, he still provides the Flames with solid presence on both ends of the ice and can contribute offensively as well, even though his skating has started to look sluggish and that is expected when looking at his age. Like I said, at first I had Derek Ryan because of his advanced stats and analytics, which show that he is well above average 3rd to 4th liner with extremely good defensive numbers. He's in UFA this summer, so possibly the Kraken could snatch him up when he becomes available, or Calgary will keep him as their reliable two-way centerman. Another intriguing player was defenseman Oliver Sillington, whose breakthrough I've been waiting since he was drafted by the Flames in 2015. He's a very smart two-way defenseman with excellent skating, who just hasn't been able to make his breakthrough, while he has suffered with some injuries along the way. If Calgary will pay the price, expect Chillington to be their second in line. Carolina, on the other hand, had plenty to choose from. They left Nino Niederreiter, Brock McGinn, Morgan Geeky, UFA Dougie Hamilton, Jake Gardner, Jake Bean, and goaltender Peter Mrazek unprotected. But I didn't have to think too much about my choice here since one of them stood out like a short thumb and that is former AHL defenseman of the year and first-round draft pick Jake Bean. I would guess that if the Canes want to keep him, they have to have some kind of deal in place since he's that valuable and has only played one season in the bright lights. He's an extremely well-rounded two-way presence who can put up points and quarterback power play once he adapts to the NHL hockey. Inonita Rider was another option to choose since his 5.25 million cap hit comes off the books next summer, and he had fairly strong season in Carolina with 34 points in 56 games last season. He's a good two-way presence who can be utilized on the power play, as well as on the penalty kill as well. Another option was goalkeeper Peter Mrazek, who has had well above average seasons in Carolina, but last season he only played 13 games in the regular season because of an injury, which might shy Seattle away from drafting him. He could be a decent 1B option, but we'll see where he ends up since he's in UFA this summer. Another notable player is Dougie Hamilton, who has been surrounded with rumors since they were eliminated from the playoffs. He's without a doubt one of the best two-way defensemen in the league, and he can put up points with the best of them, 
But it seems like his personality is the reason he has been on three different teams since he was drafted. He might stay in Carolina, but don't be surprised if some team offers him massive deal to sign with them. So to conclude, they will take Jake Bean, but if they have a deal in place to not pick him, I expect Kiki or other prospect going the other way. Chicago though didn't have much to choose from since their top players were protected and overall their team is quite young. Only viable options were Brett Connolly, Ryan Carpenter, Winnie Hinstroza, Adam Godet, Calvin Dehan and RFA Nikita Zadorov. I don't see Seattle taking Dehan with his cap head and I had originally Adam Godet as my pick from Chicago who showed promise once he arrived to the Windy City at the end of the season but decided to go another route this time. He's still young enough to make William Carlson-esque impact in the right environment and with the right players and I hope he could reach those kind of numbers he posted in Vancouver during the 1920 season. But eventually I decided to go with towering defenseman Nikita Sadorov who hits like a bag of bricks and is an RFA this summer. He's sound defensive defenseman who many hate to play against because of his huge frame and nasty play style. He can play both sides which adds additional element to his game and thus ended up being my pick from the Windy City. Just like Carolina, Colorado had plenty to choose from. Captain Gabriel Landeskog is an UFA and seeking for a big deal from the Avs. Brandon Saad, Jonas Donskoy and JT Confer among the best of them as well. And all players are established players with good credentials across the board. At this time, the rumor has it that the Avs and their captain are not close to agreement on his next contract. So if Kraken's GM Ron Francis brings out the big guns and offers the Swede power forward what he's looking for, it could become a huge deal for the Kraken. Still, I do think Landy will remain in Colorado or go elsewhere. And thus I chose Jonas Donskoy as their pick. And you can call me biased, but he has been extremely steady performer each year and has the excellent two-way game what teams are always looking for. He has 3.9 million cap hit until 2023, so in the worst case he could be dealt to another team either in the deadline or the offseason. Side and Comfort are very viable options as well, but when looking at production and capability, to play on every situation, I decided to go with Donskoy. From the Blue Jackets, I only had two clear options in mind since there isn't much to choose from once again. It was going to be either Max Domi or Kevin Stenland, and this time I decided to go with the Swedish native. First I had them taking Domi because he only has one year left on his 5.3 million contract, and he could be dumped to free agency once his contract runs out and he has the upside to become their first-line center if they are not able to get anyone during the offseason, which I highly doubt. Then I started to look more into his situation, and I saw that he had a shoulder surgery in the beginning of June, and the report said that he would be out for about four to six months before fully recovered, and that fact made the decision easy for me. Stenland has been surprisingly solid in Columbus, based on his analytics and he can be utilized in all four lines. He has a big frame and the ability to play either on the right wing or in the center, which is a big plus in my books. 
While he's more considered as a defensive player, he can put the puck in the net with his big wrist shot, and that's why I see him as their pick. I also thought about former first round draft pick defenseman Gabriel Carlson, but since he hasn't really been able to solidify his spot in the NHL, I decided to go with Stenlet this time. Dallas was much the same way, they only had few viable options to choose from. Adam Mascherin, Nick Camano, Joel Esperance and Jamie Oleksiak and this time I decided to go with the youth route and choose Adam Mascherin as my pick. He will turn 24 this year and last season in the AHL he showed that he's capable of putting up points and I'm expecting him in the NHL roster coming the next season. Nick Camano was another option but since I don't see very much upside in his game I eventually ended up deciding between Oleksiak and Mascherin. Oleksiak has been steadily elevating his game and has been very solid for the Stars the last two seasons. In addition, I don't see them taking on Ben Bishop who was left unprotected mostly because of his injury history and while his 4.9 million cap hit wouldn't be too much to handle I don't see that happening. Then from Detroit we had few decent options to choose from. Vladislav Namesnikov, Yevgeny Svechnikov, Troy Stetcher and Denis Chalowski. The argument around Chalowski is obvious since he was a first round draft pick with excellent skating and overall two-way game. But since his first season in Detroit he hasn't been able to find same level to his game. He has spent time in the AHL honing out this game and hopefully next season he will become NHL regular. And I can see Ron Francis taking a flyer on this guy and making him the pick from the Red Wings. But this time I decided to go another route. I picked right-handed defenseman Troy Stetcher who had a very good showing for the Canadians during the World Championships and has been quite underrated in the NHL as well. He has only 1.7 million cap hit for the next season and will most likely look for a race next summer. He's a very good puck mover who has good skating and isn't liability in his own end. He can play on the power play as well as on the penalty kill and would be a good fit to their top four. Now Mesnikov and Svechnikov are other options, but since both of them haven't really showed anything special in the NHL, I decided to go with a reliable two-way defenseman instead. From the Edmonton Oilers, you have a plethora of UFAs and bloated contracts, but you also have few decent options in the mix as well. Cooper Marody, Tyler Benson and Dominic Cahoon amongst the best options for the Kraken. Marody had a stellar season in the AHL last year and most likely will find himself in the complimentary role for the Oilers next season. He had 36 points in 39 games and established a prolific partnership with another Oilers prospect, Tyler Benson, who was a point per game last season in Bakersfield. He's had few cups of coffee in the NHL and has been elevating his game each year, so that's why he is my pick for Seattle Kraken. His upside is high energy top 6 forward, but even if he doesn't reach that level, he will be a prolific middle 6 winger with scoring upside. From the Florida Panthers, the pick is quite obvious since there has been lots of rumors about the already set contract with the actual player itself, and that is last year's standout goaltender Chris Dreger. The rumor is that he already has about 3 years, 3.3 million contract with the Kraken, so 
there isn't much to speculate about this team. They also had few decent options available, but since Dreger is the obvious choice, I won't go any deeper into unprotected players. From the LA Kings, I decided to go with the upcoming prospect Kale Clegg, who has been missing from many other notable mock drafts. I don't know what's to catch here, but I see him as a solid two-way defenseman with good skating and offensive upside, but I could be wrong as well. Other options include Brendan Lemieux, Andreas Athanasiu, Austin Wagner, Blake Lizard, Karl Kranström, Matt Luff and Christian Wolanin, who to me are more unpredictable choices. While I could see them adding depth piece here, or take a chance on Grundström, who has showed some promise in the AHL as well as the NHL. Jonathan Quick and Oli Matta are also available, but since Quick is declining fast and Matta's contract isn't the most generous related to his production, I don't see either of them in the Kraken uniform next season. In my mind, Clegg has the most upside here, and that's why he's my choice. Then we move on to the Minnesota Wild, who bought out both Jack Parisi and Ryan Suter before the roster freeze. The choice here was between two relatively young and promising players, Carson Susi and Kaapo Kähkönen. Susi has been extremely solid for the Wild the past two seasons, and was my pick at first based on his defensive numbers and consistent small offensive upside. He has a huge frame and his defensive game is very very solid, which might be the reason why Ron Francis could take him coming the draft day, but eventually I ended up choosing the Finnish goaltender Kaapo Kähkönen. Last year was his first full year in the NHL and he started his season extremely strong and while his play started to drop towards the end, he had a record of 16 wins and 8 losses and some fluctuation can be expected from a rookie goaltender. He's very sound technically, has good hands and reflexes while he moves very smoothly laterally in his crease. I see bigger upside in him than I see in Susie, and if he doesn't end up staying in Seattle, his contract is easily tradable, and he could fetch very decent return for his services. That's why he is my choice from the wild. And then we have the white whale Montreal Canadiens, who left future Hall of Famer Carey Price unprotected alongside Shea Weber and Philippe Deneau. This move was seen as a joke at first, taking into account his 10.5 million cap hit, upcoming 11 million signing bonus next fall, and injury problems in previous years. But now after his stellar postseason performance, where he dragged the Habs to the finals, it doesn't seem as utopic as it did at first. Seattle has openly admitted that they will have real consideration in front of them regarding Price, while his next season currently hangs in the balance of the hip surgery he will undergo this offseason. He proved that he still has the X-factor in him and could be a viable option for the Kraken, either if he plays or if he stays in the LTIR for most of the season and when he comes back they could ship out their other goalie because there will be a market for goaltenders again next season. Shea Weber is probably out of the question since his whole career is uncertain at this moment and will most likely miss the whole 2021-2022 season. On the other hand, if nothing magical happens, Philippe Deneau will be out of Montreal when he hits the free agency next week. Montreal apparently offered a six-year deal worth 5 million per year, 
but Donal's camp rejected the offer because they think they can get more money elsewhere and are looking for same term with 5.5 to 6 million salary. Montreal has said that they won't offer that kind of money but if Price and Weber are both out next season it could open room for Denal's contract if they decide to keep him. Denal was my choice for the Kraken based on the fact that they seemingly have some kind of deal in place for some organization. Possibly Seattle is that organization and this way they could handle their number one center problem which is hard to find in this draft. Other possible pick would be the young defenseman Kale Fleury who I had in the first place but since after all the picks were made they were still missing the number one center and I decided to come back and pick Denault from Montreal so that at least on paper they would have their number one center. I just don't see Price in Seattle based on his injuries and cap head. While he is 33 years old he isn't getting any younger but if they choose to take him it would be a surprise at least to me. Next on the line is Nashville Predators who protected five defensemen and just three forwards. There were once again a few decent options, Colton Sissons, Rocco Grimaldi, Kalle Crook, Nick Cousins, Rem Petlick, Jakob Trenin and in goal Connor Ingram. Most of them were depth picks but for example Petlick, Trenin and Ingram have showed promise in the AHL and are close to solidifying their spots in the NHL roster. Eventually I decided to go with Yaren Kroc who had a good season this year and overall has been very solid for the Preds for many years now. He's very versatile forward who can contribute on the power play as well as on penalty kill and is skilled enough to make plays on 5 on 5 situations. The Preds also left Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne unprotected with their 8 million cap hits Johansson's contract runs until 2026 and Duchesne's contract ends one year earlier, but I just can't see Francis taking either of them, since their contracts haven't aged well and are huge anchors for the Preds rebuilding process. New Jersey on the other hand had just few interesting players available. Andreas Johansson, Marian Studenich, Nathan Bastian, Will Butcher, Connor Carrick and goaltender Scott Wedgwood. In addition, P.K. Zuban's 9 million cap hit for the next year was available as well, but don't get surprised when they don't choose him, since he has been absolutely miserable the past two years and doesn't offer much more than occasional offense. Jonsson hasn't been able to reach his 2018-2019 season production levels, and is starting to become just a solid middle six contributor. And the same thing goes with Butcher who has seen his production decreasing each year and the previous season was his worst by far defensively. So the Kraken could take a flyer on his contract since he becomes an UFA next summer and would be able to flip him in the deadline if necessary. Nathan Bastian hasn't shown anything special during his days in Jersey but feels a role in their middle six and the same thing goes with Carrick who is a solid 6-7th defenseman who can contribute on both ends of the ice. Despite these players, I chose goaltender Scott Wedgwood as my pick since he's a solid 3rd string goalie and he doesn't have a huge cap hit, so why not add decent backup to your roster. Other than that, I see Butcher as an alternative option like I said, but I feel like they are already strong in defense, so I decided to go with Wedgwood. From the Islanders, the pick was pretty straightforward. 
it was between Josh Bailey and Jordan Eberly, and I ended up picking up Jordan Eberly since I read about rumors that they already might have a deal in place for Seattle to take Eberly rather than Bailey, even though I personally would have chosen Bailey instead of Eberly. He has been in their organization since he was drafted and he is extremely effective two-way player when comparing it to his contract which ends in 2024. Other possible options were KCC Seagas, Kyle Palmieri, Richard Panik, Kiefer Bellows, Michael Dalcol, and Otto Koivula, but no one came close to these two. Pretty much same thing presented itself with the other New York team. The obvious choice was Colin Blackwell, who had his best season in the NHL so far last season. He's a very effective two-way player, who has shown his offensive upside as well, while being more physical two-way presence. Besides Blackwell, the other option would have been Julian Gauthier, who has made his mark on their bottom six, but other than that, there wasn't too much to choose from. Same thing continues in Ottawa, where the only notable players available were Yevgeny Dadanov, Chris Tierney, Ryan Zingle, Matt Murray, and Joey Decord. Dadanov hasn't been able to reach his Florida Days production levels, while Tierney and Zingle have seen their stocks plummeting through few past years, and Matt Murray's contract is a huge burden for the Senators when you look how bad he has been since the trade. The only two real options I saw were Dadanov and Decord, who had his first games in the NHL last season and played better than most expected. First I had Dananov in my roster, but since I saw the rest of the wingers I had chosen, it was obvious that he wouldn't fit into the top 6. This led me to choosing Joey Dacord, who could become a fringe starter, if he can continue his development in the crease. Then we saw a few familiar faces when Philadelphia left, James Van Riemsdyk, Jacob Voracek and Saint Gostisphere unprotected, alongside defenseman Robert Haig as the most notable players. Voracek was on the headlines after their unsuccessful regular season and was part of the trade rumors on almost weekly basis, but his 8.25 million cap hit isn't as easy to move as you would expect. The 31-year-old can still produce with regularity, but he isn't getting any younger and his contract runs until 2024. Currently, they are trying to pursue Seattle to take him, and the asking price seems to be their first-round draft pick in return. Same thing goes with JVR, who has a bit better cap hit at 7 million, and it ends in 2023, but he's a year older than Voracek. He has very solid season in his back pocket, which could tempt few teams of giving him a chance, and he even was my first choice out of Philly. Ghost, on the other hand, has been on their trade block for a few years now, and was also on waivers last season, but no one picked him up. We've seen his production dropping from his stellar 65-point season each year, and I think that the Flyers' head office would appreciate it if Kraken took his contract off the books, but I don't think that will happen. But like I said, my first thought was that they will take JVR after he proved that he still has some offense in him, but after I started to assemble the team, I saw that there were better options to their wings. I decided to go with big defensive defenseman Robert Haig, who has one year left in his $1.6 million deal, and could be their 7th-8th defenseman. 
He has been battling out for his position in the top six for a few years now and with change of scenery he could become solid top six option for Seattle. Pittsburgh on the other hand had plenty to choose from. Jason Zucker, Brandon Tanev, Jack Aston Reese, Sam Lafferty, Anthony Angelo, Cody Ceci, Marcus Pedersen and Casey Desmith were available. In my mind there is no clear choice here since for example Desmith is a very capable backup and had better numbers than their protected goaltender Tristan Jerry last season. Cody Ceci had a bounce back season. Tanev's bulldog like play style is very intriguing with his 3.5 million contract. Aston Reese and Lafferty have proved themselves as effective bottom six forwards. And even though Marcus Pedersen's cap hit is probably way too high compared to his overall numbers, if he can find his pre-contract level, he could be a very effective defensive presence. For me, it was decision between Zucker, Tanev and Aston Reese, and I ended up picking Zucker since his contract ends in 2023 and his 5.5 million cap hit is very favorable, especially if they want to trade him during the season and they can even retain some of his salary. He has been able to produce offensively, and he has proved to be more effective in the top two lines rather than as a third line forward. His speed is very compelling attribute to have, as well as he can play on both special teams, while Tanev is purely a penalty killer with some offensive upside on 5-on-5 five five situations. Both Tanev and Asturis might go to Seattle as well, but because Tanev's 3.5 million contract runs until 2025 and Aston Reese is in UFA, I prefer to select Zucker as their second line winger. San Jose didn't have quite as many established NHLers to choose from. Ryan Donato, Marcus Sörensen, Alexander True, Dylan Gambrell, Matt Nieto, Radim Simek and Nicolas Meloch as the best possible options. Most of these guys are bottom six players with little to no upside and most of them are free agents this summer which affects the selection. To me the best players available were Donato, Gambrel, Simek and Meloch. Donato was a second round draft pick but seems more like he will stay as a complimentary top nine forward rather than productive top six player even though he has the skill set to become one. Gambrel as well was a second rounder who hasn't been able to raise his production levels and permanently stay in their top lines, while Meloch could become a steady top 6 D-man at some point, and Simek is a reliable top 6 option for any team. Despite the uncertainty factor, I chose to pick Donato since he's an RFA, so they can negotiate favorable deal for him, and if he doesn't fit in Seattle, they can ship him off to elsewhere. Martin Jones is also available, but... That's stupid to even consider them taking his 5.75 million contract, which runs until 2024. St. Louis was a rough one, since they had many intriguing players to choose from. Vladimir Tarasenko, Jaden Swartz and Vince Dunn as the best available. My first thought was that Vince Dunn is a clear-cut favorite for Seattle, but since there seemingly is a consensus that Seattle will pick Tarasenko, and eventually flip him to Philadelphia for a great return. I was also wondering the possibility to draft Swartz, who has a cop to his name, and is very effective top 6 option, but will most likely seek a pay raise this summer, and since there seems to be a deal in place, 
I didn't bother too much thinking about other viable options rather than Dunn and Swartz. Then we head to Tampa Bay, who was as well very tricky one since they had plethora of available players. Andre Palat, Yanni Gord, Tyler Johnson, Alex Killarn, Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish, Alex Boulay, Mitchell Stevens, Matthew Joseph and Ross Colton up front. And in defense, the most notable options were David Savard and Cal Foot. There are many ways for Seattle to approach this one, but since I see them wanting to challenge for a playoff spot in their first season, I think it will be a choice between Andre Palat and Yanni Gord. Both have similar cap hits above 5 million, only difference being that Gord's contract runs until 2025, while Palat's ends next season. That was the deciding factor for me, and I decided to go with Palat even though at first I was thinking about taking the 22-year-old right shot defenseman foot, who most likely will become a very solid top 4 defenseman in the near future. I could as well see them taking a chance on some of the younger Tampa Bay forwards, but this time I prefer the already established top 6 option, who have Stanley Cup pedigree. Then we head to Toronto, where the obvious choice seems to be Alex Kerfoot, who has been on the radar for a while now. He's a very versatile forward who can play on power play as well as on the penalty kill, and he can be inserted to the wing as well as center. Like I mentioned previously, Dubas made a good acquisition when they took McCann from Pittsburgh so that they could have replacement in case Kerfoot leaves Toronto at the draft. McCann isn't as solid defensively but is more offensively oriented forward who seems to prefer left wing over center position and while Zach Hyman is another option for them I feel like he will sign to another team with a big ticket contract in the offseason. Travis Dermott was another viable option and overall Toronto has many other options such as goaltenders Frederick Anderson and David Reddick but I don't see them going to west coast unfortunately. Then we head to Vancouver, who had few very interesting players available for the draft. Probably the two most intriguing ones were forwards Jona Kadjovic and Cole Lind, who both have shown real promise in the AHL past few seasons and will start to climb their way to NHL rosters coming the next season. My first thought based on the rumors was that they would pick veteran goaltender Braden Holby to their crease since he only has one year left on his contract and has the experience in his belt, but since I started to look more closely to his numbers, I decided to take another route. My pick was right winger Colin, who was point per game in the AHL last year and recorded seven games without points in the bright lights as well, but I see him as a prolific top nine player in the future for whichever team he will belong to. Alongside Kacovic, I also considered defenseman Brogan Rafferty, but ended up choosing Lind as my pick from the Canucks. And since Vegas is exempt from the expansion draft, the penultimate team is the Capitals. And to me, it was a tough choice between upcoming goaltender Vitek Vanecek and defenseman Justin Schultz. Vanecek, who surprised many people last season by his play, was my first choice option, but... Since the team started to take its shape, I noticed that they were still missing their number one right-handed demon. So I decided to go with Schultz, who could be their number one point guy on their power play. 
While he isn't the most sound defensively, he still has the offensive capabilities he is known for. And if he plays with Giordano, he can play more offensively heavy style, while Giordano is more suited in the defensive end. Other defensive options could have been Brendan Dillon or Nick Jensen, but since Schultz's contract ends next year, he is more tempting to be traded at the deadline and has more offensive upside than Dillon. Offensively, the Caps didn't have much to choose from other than Garnet Hathaway and Connor Sheary, but I saw the defense or goaltending as more suitable positions at this point. The last team, as you know, is the Winnipeg Jets, and to me it came down to two players, forward Mason Appleton and defenseman Dylan DeMello. Appleton's 900k cap hit ends next season, and last year was his most productive season in the NHL so far. So if he gets the added ice time, he could blossom into a 40-point player already next season. On the other hand, DeMello is this very reliable two-way defenseman who stand out in his own zone. His production has dropped from past few seasons, but still is considered as a good top 4D man. Jensen Harkins was another option, but I see him more of a bottom 6 option with smaller upside than Ableton, so that's why I chose the right-handed winger instead of him. But that concludes my picks for Seattle Kraken, and overall I was pretty happy with the team. Since I tried to assemble as complete team as possible, even though I can assure you that the team won't look like this once the season starts, because of the trades and free agency. To round up my picks, Alexander Volkov from Anaheim, Tyler Petlick from Arizona, Connor Clifton from Boston, Jake McCabe from the Sabres, Mark Giordano from Calgary, Jake Bean from Carolina, Nikita Sadorov from Chicago, Jonas Donskoy out of Colorado, Kevin Stenlund from Columbus, Adam Mashurin from Dallas, Troy Stetcher from Detroit, Tyler Benson from Edmonton, Chris Treacher from Florida, Kale Clay from LA, Kaapo Kahkonen from Minnesota, Philip Dano from Montreal, Kali Arncroft from Nashville, Scott Wedgwood out of New Jersey, Jordan Eberly from the Islanders, Colin Blackwell from the Rangers, Joey Dacord from Ottawa, Robert Haig from Philly, Jason Zucker from Pittsburgh, Ryan Donato from San Jose, Vladimir Tarasenko out of St. Louis, Andre Palat from Tampa, Alex Kerfoot from Toronto, Colin from Vancouver, Justin Schultz from the Caps, and lastly Mason Appleton from Winnipeg. Hope you enjoyed this episode. This was fun experience to try to build this team from scratch and look for all the possible options available from each team. We'll see what we have next week, probably we will at least check how my predictions went and see what kind of team the Kraken eventually assembled. But that's all for this week, you know the drill, stay tuned, stay safe, until next time. Alright.